first task is to look at the watch. <laughs> Any pastor will pull me off the stage if I don't finish on time, but, uh, but I'll try to uh, get through this as quickly as possible. Um, the questions we ask in life often reflect the depth of what's in our hearts. And in this passage, uh, there is a very interesting question that is raised by the children of Israel. And um, they said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? They're looking at a God who did far more mightier things, like parted the Red Sea, like uh, provided manna from heaven, provided water out of a rock. Um, and they're asking this question, can God provide or furnish a table in the wilderness? And I want to explore that question a little bit this morning and just work through some aspects of this passage which might help us to understand whether the questions we ask today are actually um, stopping a proper relationship with God. And it'll be important for us, particularly in this time of great uncertainty in the world, to be asking the right questions. And so uh, let me start by saying the very first verse in this passage says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. There is mystery, depth, wisdom, reality in God's words. God's word is truth. God's word is life. And one of the instructions God is giving to his people, these people in the wilderness, is I want you to incline your ears to what I am saying. And so some of you might say, well, what is God saying? Well, he hasn't appeared to me in a big cloud and he's not speaking to me. How is he speaking to me today? Well, if you have the precious word of God and you start reading that word of God, you will find that God will talk to you through the word of God. He has spoken to millions and millions of people before and he will continue to talk through the word of God. Now, when your appetite for the word of God is diminished and you're looking to other texts for your inspiration, be assured God will not talk to you to the same extent that he will talk to you and you open the Holy Scriptures and incline your ears to him. That imagery is very important. Incline means not just do your normal, you know, uh, sometimes we are doing a household work and we are listening to a sermon being preached by pastor or somebody else, right? You're, and I believe you're not truly inclining your ears to that because you're doing other things. Incline means giving diligent attention to what God is saying. And so when you read something, you say, what is God saying in that passage? Uh, what's the relevance to me? You know, is it affecting some area of my life? The word of God is filled with his power, his promises, his provision, his purposes. They're all revealed to us. 
We know where our ending is going to be. We are going to one day end up in that wonderful place called heaven beside our loving Savior. We shall behold him face to face. We have that confidence. We have that hope. And so we rely on that to get us through the hardships of the present day because we know our ending is good. All his promises are true. And so we can rely on them. Not one of them has failed. And so, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? You read so many people give predictions and they all come to naught. But every promise in the Bible is true. And so would you want, won't you want to read it? Won't you want to understand what God is saying? God is a God of truth. He doesn't play games. He doesn't give you false hope. He's the hope that God gives is uh, of utmost integrity and you can rely on it. He promises to take you through a valley, he will. He promises to see you through, give you strength in your time of weakness, he will. And a lot of you will, if I gave you the opportunity, will stand up and testify to the fact of how God has sustained you through those difficult times. Psalm 19 verse 7 says this, The law of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul. It transforms the soul. Because it's perfect. It's true. And if you incline your ears and accept it, it'll transform you. The other thing I see in this passage is the purpose of God. He gives the means of his word and his spirit. And we know today for us, the Holy Spirit who lives within us, Jesus said that he will take of me and show it to you, whatever I have said. He will take my words and interpret them to you. And so the purpose of God is found in verse 7, that they might... Why did God ask the children of Israel to study, to listen to his word and to keep passing it down generation to generation? Because one godly generation was meant to perpetuate generations to come. And that's why it's important to teach our children, to important to teach the principles of scripture to those that God has put within our jurisdiction. And verse 7 says this, Here's the purpose of God, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Here, here's the simple um, request that God makes. Here's the purpose, that you might set your hope in God. Don't set your hope on things that will perish and will collapse and will fall away. The Bible clearly in the Proverbs talks about those who put their trust in riches, for example. He refers to riches as an eagle that flies away. How many of you caught an eagle in flight? Not David Hollowart who shoots them, that's unfair. But uh, how many of you caught, caught him with your hands? The eagle swoops and he's gone. And the Bible talks of riches in a similar way. You put your foot in riches, they'll be here one day and they'll be, boom, gone. You can't even see them. But to set our hope in God, our reliance must be on God. And the second interesting thing that God says to his people is that you must not forget my power and my mighty works that I've done amongst you. And so we are a forgetful people. We forget um, 
this morning what will happen, we forget in the afternoon. And uh, we do the same with God's things and God's matters. We don't remember the goodness of God that he has been to us. You know, when Moses, uh, in the wilderness, he said, to, he said to the Lord, Lord, show me thy glory. And the Lord said, no, I'll, I'll give you something better. And he, and he puts him in a rock and he passes before Moses. And uh, he says some words which are incredible words. Uh, the Lord, the Lord, full of mercy, full of compassion, who is for forgiving God. He gives this imagery of God that uh, thrilled the heart of Moses because he knew the people will keep disobeying him right through the journey to the wilderness. And God gave him that side that he is a forgiving God, that he is someone who is going to be with them, stick with them through to the end. Do not forget his works. I wonder how many of us reflect on what God, God has done for you. In that testimony, we saw uh, the heart rejoicing in the fact that God brought them and saved them. Amen. Do you thank God for his salvation? Do you thank God for where he brought you from? Do you thank God that if not for him, you could end up in the ditch somewhere? But God has brought you. God has saved you. God has secured you. God has sealed you. Do you acknowledge that? Do you remember the day that you were saved? If we asked you to give your testimony, would you get up boldly and say, I remember that day. I remember the day when the Spirit of God spoke to me. And I remember my, with tears rolling down my eyes, I walked down that altar and I fell down and asked God to forgive me of my sins. I mean, in my life, I remember the day that led to my salvation, where I got hit by a motor vehicle on the road in Sri Lanka. I was 11 years old, and uh, everyone thought I was dead till someone picked me up. I remember that day because that was God's mercy. I would have gone to a lost eternity that day if that car, the wheel, had run over my body. As I, as I stood up, as the man lifted me and lifted me on and said, I, I found that I could even walk. And people were amazed. And a few weeks later, I said to the elders of my church, I said, I'm not willing to play the fool anymore. I want to give my life to God. Amen. And then at the age of 12 years, I gave my life to God. I remember. I forget not his works. I forget not his mercy. And the Lord is saying, I want you to set your hope in me. I want you to not forget what I have done for you. A lot of our frustrations in life, brethren, come because we forget what God has done for us. We just want more. We are a generation that is lustful. We want more. When God's given us everything, we want more. We want more. We want more. Why don't we thank God for what we have? That thankfulness, that generosity that should come out of our lives. And thirdly, God says, I want you to keep my commandments. There is no point in me telling you a whole heap of things in the precious word of God if all you're going to do is to keep breaking them. Some people are better at keeping record of the number of times they've broken God's law than the number of times they've kept it. And they take great pride in saying, oh yeah, I got over that one. God's not heard it. I've heard people say, I'm sure, Pastor, you've heard, well, God's not hurt me yet. 
I'm not living according to what God's done. God's not hurt me yet. I wouldn't play Russian roulette with God um, because there'll be only one outcome to that. And then uh, I'm watching the clock. He also say, talks to us about the problems of the heart. Verse 8 says that their hearts were not set aright with God. Their hearts were not aligned to the purpose of God. Verse 10, it says that they, were, they refused to walk in the law or disobedience. The very thing that God said to do, they were not, not, now not doing. They forgot his works. Look at that, verse 11. They forgot. So what did God say in verse 7? Don't forget my works. And then a few verses down, he said, they forgot his works. And he goes on to list the works that God had done. The miracles in Egypt. I parted the waters with my mighty power. I gave them the cloud by day and the fire by night, indicating the very presence of God, never to leave them or forsake them. The water from the rock, it's, it, he goes on to explain that he gave it out of the great depth. In other words, purity, the deeper the water comes from, the purer the water is. It's not surface stuff, it's not contaminated stuff. He said, I've given you the best, the purest thing that will sustain your life. He opened the doors of heaven and rained down manna. The Bible calls it the corn of heaven. It calls it the food of angels. And I wonder sometimes whether we get sick of heavenly food. How many of us have got sick of heavenly food? How many of you are weary when a sermon goes beyond the time allocated to it? Are we diligent in listening to what God is saying and absorbing the heavenly food that God has given us? These people forgot that they were eating angels' food. Amazing. The grace of God gave them so much, but they refused to remember what God had given them. Get, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can he provide bread? Can he provide flesh for his people? These questions demonstrate their appetite and their lack of trust in God. What truly satisfies us today is God alone enough or do I need to add something to God? Do I need to fill my life with other stuff to make me feel that I'm enjoying life. At what altars do you worship? The worship at the altar of fame, of riches, of popularity? Does the word contentment with godliness mean anything to us? Is there contentment? in our walk with God. And when people ask the wrong questions, 
they come to wrong conclusions. Verse 22, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. When I decide to promote my flesh and my glory, unbelief will surely walk in the door and deprive you of God's power and his wisdom in your life. Why did God take the children of Israel through the wilderness? A journey that could have been completed in 12 months or less. Took 40 long years because of the unbelief and the constant complaining, the forgetting of God in the hearts of these people and the disobedience that was rampant. God was patiently calling his people to understand him more in the wilderness. He wanted a people separated unto himself. He wanted to teach them the character of God, to raise their hearts to worship and obedience and make them a testimony to the world. That when a nation trusts God the way God wants them to be trusted, to be trusted, that they can make such a difference to the whole world. But these people for 40 long years wandered around and completely missed what God had for them. If you recall when Moses was up in the mountain and they constructed the golden calf. God's first thought was to destroy those people. And Moses then prayed a prayer. And Moses prayed, oh Lord, don't do that. Because if you do that, the Egyptians will laugh at us. To say, well, you know, he took them out of Egypt to kill them in the desert. Let them, please, I beg you, forgive them, let them carry on. And God actually heard Moses' prayer and he said, I will let them go. But did they change? For 40 years, they kept going around the desert committing the same repeated failures that they were used to. The product of our desires. When we take the path of lust, it says they lusted after flesh. When we take the path of lust, fleshly desires are kindled and a raging fire ensues in our life, which drives us down the path of lust. It destroys the purpose for which God called us. It breeds unbelief in God and his salvation. It sets us against God. This, this passage says that God they spake against God, and the Lord was wroth, verse 21. And when you walk your Christian life this way, you put God against you. Ever wondered why there is a lack of power in your life? Ever wondered why there's a lack of power in most churches today? It's because we are lusting after what we want, not what... God has determined for us. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, the, the, the product of our desires will lead us either towards God or away from God. There is no midway point. You can't just sort of sit on the fence and say, well, I, I come to church, I do the right thing, but during the rest of Monday to Saturday, you're living a completely different life. It won't work. You can't fool God. God knows exactly what's going on. And if God is against you, you can come to 100 prayer meetings, but your prayers won't be heard. And that's why you need to put your heart right. We're going to be taking the Lord's table shortly. And one of the things, I don't know whether you do it, but I certainly do, I examine my heart. And so let a man examine himself and eat of that bread and drink of that cup worthily. What does worthily mean? So that we put ourselves right before God. Is my hope in God? Do I remember the works of God? Am I committed to obeying the commandments of God? And I'm pleading with you that if there are areas in your life that you're disobeying God in, that this morning you say to God, God, I know your commandment says this and I, I've walked away from you. And no wonder I've been a powerless Christian. My prayers are not answered. You know, every one of you can pray and God will hear and answer and do some amazing things. Why are prayers ineffective? Are there other idols preventing us from the power of God? And is God against us? And this is one of the saddest verses, verse 33. Therefore their days did he consume in vanity and their years in trouble. If you memorize nothing else, memorize those phrases. Days in vanity, years in trouble. Say it again. Days in vanity, years in trouble. If you commit some days of vanity, what's the product? Years, not trouble. How many? Years. You, you live two, three weeks in disobedience, it can affect you for years ahead. Forty years, brethren, forty years. And you know, most of these people actually perished in the wilderness. They never saw the purpose of God, the promise of God. Never saw it. And it is God's purpose that none of us miss God's purpose. It's wonderful to be God's child, I'm telling you. It's wonderful to be, have him as our father and be as his children. The Abba Father to whom we can go and pray. And the Abba Father who answers prayer. The Abba Father who knows the deepest longings of my heart. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The Heavenly Father knows what you need before you even ask it, before you even say, Lord, my money is running out. God knows it. And he says to you, just seek me with all your heart. Pursue me, pursue righteousness. And I'll settle everything else for you. I'll keep the creditors at bay. I'll keep the evil diseases away. You know, none of these people fell ill in the desert. Do you know that? 40 years, eating manna and water, they never fell ill. And every morning they woke up and they looked at their dress. They said, oh boy, it's looking new as ever. 
I only bought this last week. It's looking new. I said, well, we have 20 years and it's still looking good. They looked at their shoes. How many times do you buy new shoes? Some of you buy new shoes every second month. They looked at their shoes and said, it's not wasting away. God took care of everything. You're going to trust God like that today? So let me, two minutes pastor. So if you take the path of lust, years of trouble. Got it? What do you need to do? What do I need to do? To readjust my frequency to listen to God. If you tuned into a wrong frequency, God says, I'm speaking still. Will you please listen to me? He's giving you a chance after chance after chance. Will you listen to me? Remove every idol and resolve to obey him. If you've been worshiping at the wrong idol, God's saying to you this morning, remove that idol and worship me. Put your trust wholly in me. Set your hope on me, not on those things that are faltering out there and falling away. Write my heart to his desire. What does God love? That's the one I want to love. Remember the Lord and his works and his love for you. Every morning as you wake up, remember the Lord. Remember what he's done. Don't wait for the Lord's table. Just remember what God has done for you. Every morning remember it. And reflect on the end. Where is all this going to end? In a glorious place called heaven. If the Lord takes me tomorrow, I'll be in heaven. If the Lord chooses to keep me another 10 years, praise God, I'll continue to serve him, but I'll end up in heaven. And the more people I can tell about the glory of God, and what he has done for me, and the hope we have in him, that if we don't follow our lusts and if we follow after God, that God's going to do some amazing things in your life and mine. And he will refresh you, and he will take you and bring you to his side. And as we sang in that beautiful song, you know, God's going to stay with us through every valley. He stayed with the children of Israel, even through their disobedience in the wilderness. So through every valley, he will be with you. And he will encourage you, he will strengthen you, he will teach you, he will draw you closer to himself, he'll teach you more of the character of God. And say, wow, isn't my God wonderful? Even through this hardship, he taught me this. And you will, your life will be enriched and it will bless the people. And that's what God meant for the, the church in the wilderness to do, to become a wonderful testimony to the whole world. Will, will your light so shine before the world that others will be drawn to Christ because of your life? God bless you. Amen. Amen.